We're going to get started tonight. We're going to be in Galatians 5, continuing on in our, in our Galatians study. And uh, I'm pretty excited about tonight. I've, uh, of course, Andy and Jeff know how excited I've been about Galatians and, and how, you know, I'll come in and just bug them to death about <laughs> I'll come in and start talking about it. I get fired up about the about like, the go word. talk to somebody else I'm in Mark yeah like yeah he's like, I'm doing a Mark study can you give me a little yeah, yeah. but it's it, it has been good and uh like I said tonight is is it's kind of a, a a big point um and so we're we're in Galatians 5 I mean everybody knows pretty much Galatians 5 you've been a Christian for any any uh you know portion of time you've probably heard the fruit of the spirit you know this is a a very uh uh common passage that we that we talk about but um you know we've we've asked a lot of questions throughout this study we've kind of uh been every week asking a question and it always start us out and we're going to kind of I want to kind of review what we've learned so far what we've uh come across and because I think it's I think it's important, and I think what Paul was doing was building an argument, you know. Uh, so it's important for us to understand where we've been, what we've been doing, and and what we've been building up to. So first night we learned that um, we're Gentiles. I mean that may seem kind of weird for us to say that, you know, just we don't really talk like that. But when it comes to uh, you have Jews and you have Gentiles. We're on the Gentile side. And uh, that was people who were outside of the Jewish nation. Um, you, could, you could become Jewish. You know, we kind of talked about that, that there was a way to uh, legally become Jewish, and that was basically to become circumcised and to follow the law. And they would, they would bring you into uh, the, the Jewish, uh, I wouldn't say faith, but yeah, pretty much Jewish faith. But then we also learned that because of Jesus, right, because of the sacrifice he made, because of what he has done, even as a Jew, right, he has invited the Gentiles in, and, and the Gentiles, the Christian Gentiles, they don't have to follow Torah. They don't have to follow the law, right? You have the, the law, the, the books of Moses, um, obviously very important to the Jews, uh, vital even to them. It was the covenant that God made with them to follow those laws. Um, but that was, the pro- that was the problem. That was what kept coming up. And that's what Paul was really having to address. And we saw through uh, in Galatians 2 and even looking over into Acts, uh, kind of looking ahead a little bit, was that the disciples came together, the church came together and all, and they decided, you know what, the Gentiles don't have to follow Torah. They don't have to follow the law, uh, which which then also brought into question, how are we justified? And we talked about this, you know, because for many Jews, the idea of justification, like God has salvation. That's his game, right? That's his side of things. But how are we justified? And so we, you know, to the Jews in their mindset, well, we're justified by doing the works of the law, like we do our part. But Paul says that's not it. It's by faith. We are justified justified by faith and faith alone. So then we talked about what the purpose of the law was and how it was to, to show it was to show the Jews how to be different, how to be holy, you know, set apart, how to look different from the rest of the world, and to act as an overseer until Jesus came. 
I mean, Paul talks about that, how the law was put in place as something to basically watch over us, to kind of help keep, uh, keep the Jews um, focused on God, to, to keep them set apart and holy, to show the rest of the world, to show the Gentiles who, who he is and, and how much he loves the world. Um, and then we, we finally looked at uh, how the Gentiles are now invited into the family. The, I mean, we're full-fledged members. You know, before, um, when you talk about just Judaism, you could become a Jew, right? We talked about that. But you still weren't ever fully Jew. You were basically a proselyte. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you had full, um, I guess, call it membership rights if you wanted to, you know, but you could intermarry with the Jews and you were accepted in the community, but you were more like a cousin than a brother and sister. And Paul goes on, he says here in Galatians that, no, no, that's not the case. Because of what Jesus has done, our, our Christian Gentile uh, believers are brothers and sisters in the kingdom, mm-hmm. full-fledged members. And so here in chapter 5, this is probably the climax of Paul's letter to, to Galatia. He's been slowly building up, just methodically building this point. Um, and, and what we've learned so far is, is kind of what we are, who we are as Gentiles, as Gentile believers. And tonight's message is more now what do we do with that? What, what, do we, what do we do now that we know this, now that we know all about this? Um, what do we do with that? And so the question for tonight is, what is the measuring stick for sin? What is the measuring stick for sin? Now, I, I could have, I could have uh, you know, made that question a little differently, could have spoken it differently, but I, I was intentional in doing that because you know, I, I grew up and learned that the law was the measuring stick for sin. That's what I was taught, and we, taught, we teach that a lot in, in our churches. Um, the problem is, if you've been following along, you ought to have an issue with that because Paul's very clear that the, Torah, the law is not our go-to, that, that it is not what we go by. Um, but we, we like that idea, and it's that the law is our guide, and it's it's not a stretch that it's a uh, that we like that. It's not a stretch that we like that because honestly, we like rules to follow. We do. We we you know growing up as a kid, you're like, oh, you want to buck the system. We don't like rules. The truth is that we do like rules. We like to be able to like have that fence. We like to have that goalpost. We like to be able to check things off. Um, and it would be nice if, you know, 613 rules was what we went by. But here's the deal. If that was the case, why aren't we eating kosher? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't we wearing our, uh, what's our prayer shawls, what are those things called? Do you remember the, yeah, well, the flaxen, the, well, yeah, that's the things on the arm stuff. But then they have the prayer shawls with the tassels and, um, you know, there's, there's, so many, so many laws that if if that was our guide, we're way off base. Yeah, way off base. Um, Paul points that the law can't be what we measure sin by. 
and we're going to look and see this. So we're going to start in Galatians 5, here, 1 through 6. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's talking about the law. Don't let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, you, Paul, excuse me, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, and remember we talked about this before, when they use circumcision, when they talk about that, they're, talking, they're not talking about just that. They're talking about following the whole law. They're follow, talking about following Torah. And being saved. And, be, and, that, and being saved by Torah, right? Uh-huh. If you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul's very clear in this, that this is, this is the only thing. And he basically says, if we use the law as our measuring stick, then we will be denying ourselves the freedom we have in Christ. We'll, we'll be denying it. Christ has given us a, a gift. So instead... We are to use our freedom from the law to express our faith in love. Everything we do should be about love. Loving others. Loving our neighbor. I really like to, to the way Marty Solomon put this. We listen to this podcast called Bama. I know many others do as well. And I really like the way he, he put it. He, he says on the podcast, he said, Paul's argument through the whole letter, has been that they as Gentiles have been called to be free from the works of the law. It is this very freedom that shows the world what the gospel is, particularly the Jewish world, what the gospel is. In the same way that the Jews have been called to be set apart for the work of God in the world, the Gentiles have been set apart in freedom to make clear to the world that everybody is invited. If they let themselves be yoked to a set of rules, the Gentiles lose the essence of that call. He goes on to say that our freedom is essential to the body of Christ putting the gospel on display. We must observe that freedom, celebrate that freedom, and use that freedom well. Use that freedom to show what God is like. Now, When you see this, Paul says, you are free. And he means that you don't have rules to follow, at least Torah rules, at least the law. Now, if you're sitting here and you're probably like, all right, I'm getting a little uncomfortable, Jeremy. Are you saying that we don't have rules that we have to follow? Like, are you, is this what Paul is saying? Because, I mean, we're reading it out here and it's kind of tripping me up a little bit. Is it making you a little uncomfortable? Here's the thing. That's okay. Because you'd be right in line with what the Jews were thinking. 
They're like, we're bringing in these Gentile believers and you're telling us that they don't have something that they're supposed to follow. They don't have something that they're supposed to, to, to kind of go by. And Paul is going to get into that. He's going to tell us how we're supposed to live our lives. Because, yes, we do. We do have a guideline, a measuring stick, if you will. And so he, he's going to get into that. All right, and we're going to pick up there in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 15. I love how at the beginning of the verse Jeremy read, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting because when we think of what Christ did, it was for our sin that Christ died. It was for our sin. But Paul is telling them, and then that is true. I'm not saying that's not true. What I'm saying is, is Paul is pointing out beyond that, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I love that Paul is, is pulling all this stuff together. And like Jeremy said, that kind of makes us uncomfortable to be like, oh, there's, there's no boundaries, there's no rules. What's, what's going on here? It's the opposite of everything I've always imagined or thought or been taught. But Paul is about to address this. He's going he's gonna to point it out to us that, hey, look, saying that you have freedom doesn't mean that you just go do whatever you want to do. So let's pick up Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So Paul is very clearly saying, yes, you got freedom. But if you use that freedom in the wrong way, then it's not going to turn out well. You're not going to be an example of Christ. In fact, I guess, is it still, yeah, it's, in fact, you're going to just indulge in the flesh. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about this indulging in the flesh and what that really means. Does anybody know the word? I know we've talked about this word before. Does anybody know the Greek word associated with the word flesh? When I say it, you're going to go, oh, yeah. Anybody? I heard somebody say it. Sarks. That's very good. Sarks. So let's talk a little bit about what sarks actually is. So this, this word flesh, what does flesh mean? And we're talking about this Greek word, sarks. And when we start digging in to what it's telling us here, because when we think of flesh, we're, in our minds we're thinking uh, sexual desires, we're thinking all of these sins that we could probably list out, but we're, we're thinking about that sin nature. And though that's not necessarily wrong, sarks is not trying to point to sin nature specifically. Sarks is pointing to, if you... If you define it, they're saying the word animal nature yeah. mm-hmm. or animal yeah. desires or yeah. cravings. That's right. So let's break that down. What does that mean, the animal desires or the animal cravings? So when God created all of the earth, when God created all of the plants and then he created the animals and then he created man, he set us apart, right? So he doesn't want us to have animal nature, His whole point of creating us was to be different, to be more like him, to not have that sarks, that animal nature. And when you think of it like this, that the flesh is all about selfishness and Mm self-preservation. 
So when you talk about sarks, when you talk about the desires of the flesh, you're talking about anything that is serving your needs yeah. and not caring about anybody else's. That's right. Anything that is catering to you and what you want and not loving your neighbor or putting your neighbor before you. And beyond that, the spiritual context of this, you're fulfilling your own desires in spite of what you think God's going to be pleased with. Yeah. So that sarks, that, that sin nature is how we have defined it, but it's more accurately defined as animal nature. Mm-hmm. That is what separates us. And the word that I kind of brought up when I was talking to Jeremy about this, the, one of the things that separates us from animals is self-control. Mm. If you fill a dog's food bowl with food, what's he going to do? He's going to eat it till it's gone. If you, well, you know, that can be said for most of us Baptists too, but. <laughs> but it's like maybe this wasn't a good, uh, not a good example. It's not a good example of food. But uh, <laughs> we do have, we do are supposed to have self-control. You know, we've been called. My styrofoam bowl was smaller than the bowl I use at the house. <laughs> Self-control. But this is this is a the the flesh, you know, when you again, uh just in, as I grew up and when I would read the Bible and I would see that, you know, I thought about oh when I read flesh, oh that's the sin nature, oh that's the sin nature. But even when I say that, I like what is that? You know, what what does that mean to just say sin nature? How do you define that? And this is what they're saying. That yeah. flesh side of us so deep. is is that selfishness and that self-preservation of saying, like, I'm, I'm going to get what I want, and I don't care who's in the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I think about that animal kingdom principle, right? Um, eat or be eaten. And, and you think about, think about this. When Satan was in the garden and he tempted Adam and Eve, he asked a question, right? And... and he took that question and twisted it, and really what he was saying to Eve and what he wanted Adam to believe was, hey, uh, you can be your own, what, God. You can be, you can, you decide. You can be your own God. You don't need a God because you are a God. He really wanted them to believe that. And look, when they, when they rebelled against God, that's the animalistic, that animal kingdom, that nature of it's eat or be eaten. It's me or, or, and no one else. It's that whole I'm gonna mentality. Faith, I'm going to put faith in myself. It, exactly. And not in God. I'm, I'm the God, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in control. And that's, again, I, I that's love the whole. The flesh. I mean, you're digging deep. You're yeah. digging deep. It's, it's more than just, oh, my sin nature. My sin. No, it, it's deep. It's, it, yep. it's to the core. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And those worldly desires come from our desire to fulfill our own needs. Yes, yes. For our desire to desire to fulfill our own wants. That's right. And that's that's this sarks, this animal nature. Yep. An animal's going to go do what an animal's going to go do without self control. Mm-hmm. And we have been set apart. We've been given this self control, this non animalistic nature. And though that animalistic nature does creep in, just like Jeff was talking about, that you know, in the garden. <laughs> like it started immediately yeah. in the garden. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to be so conscious about this. And back to talking about a dog eating until the food's gone, whether it's good for them or not. Yeah. When you look at, we've been called to do things like fast and pray. Yeah. Do you think an animal fasts on purpose? Yeah. They don't because that's not in their nature. That's right. It's not, it's not in their, 
desire. And, and really, fasting's not in my desire, but if you have self-control yeah. and you are obedient to the Spirit, yeah. then, then you're going to be able to do these things that this animal nature is not going to be natural for you. So, so this sarks is all about you. The flesh desires. Yeah. So when you look at the flesh being all about selfishness and self-preservation, let's look at the other side of it and, and what the spirit is. And the spirit is all about self-sacrifice yep. and love. Yep. And what is it that Paul just told us everything could be summed up? The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What is it? Loving, Loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm. We're going to put that to the test here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like It's like, what? <laughs> Do I get to choose who I'm paired up with? <laughs> Just kidding. So, yes, the spirit is, is in every way contradictory to the sarks or yeah. to the flesh. It, it is the desire to put everyone else first. When God partners with Abraham, what he sees in Abraham is this man who's putting everybody else in front of himself. Yeah. He marries the barren woman, even though he was now the oldest son, and it was his responsibility to carry on the bloodline. But he did not put that first. He put the needs of a barren lady, a barren woman, first to take care of her. Mm-hmm. He also was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. It, it also told us that Abraham, in the heat of the day, right after he had been circumcised, as an adult, men, you understand this is not a good thing. <laughs> In the heat of the day, this has just happened, and in the heat of the day, he's sitting in the shade of a tent, and three strangers appear, and he gets up, and it says that he hurries to them. That's right. Now, I don't know how much hurrying is actually happening in this situation. It doesn't seem like it's possible, but he hurries, and then he has like 60 pounds of bread made for these three people. So everything he's doing is not about him and about his needs. And God's seeing Abraham and going, man, this guy is doing what I'm wanting my people to do. This is what I want my people to be. I want them to have self-control and to put other people before them. And that's that spirit nature that we're striving for, that self-sacrifice and the love in spite of what it means for us, showing it to everybody else. So let's move forward into uh, the same chapter, Galatians 5. We're going to start with verse 16, and we're going to be reading verses 16 through 21. We'll give it a second to roll up here. All right, there it is. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's a good one. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So just because you have freedom in Christ, it doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want to do just because you're a Gentile and not bound by the Jewish law. We are called to live by love. And when you look at that list that Paul just threw up in 19 through 21, there's a whole lot of self, self-loathing self and self self uh, 
Selfishness. Selfishness, selfish. yeah. That's really the word I'm looking for. Design. There's a whole lot of selfishness wrapped self-gratification. up. Self-gratification. There's a whole lot of self-gratification wrapped up in there. And none of that has to do with the Spirit. That's right. Nothing there has to do with the desires that the Spirit would, would have in you. It's all your selfish desires. Mm-hmm. So we need to live by that love for other people. And people who, who uh, live to see their own desires and passions fulfilled, they don't inherit the kingdom because that's not what God's kingdom is about. That's right. God's kingdom is about showing love. And in, it's about doing it not just kind of, but doing, it does it in incredible ways. Yeah. You see it in so many incredible ways. Have you ever had a moment where somebody did something for you and you, it just blew you away? Hmm. And you just thought, man... I would have never imagined anybody would do that for me. They just poured love out to you. And whatever that may have looked like, whether they changed your tire, gave you money, um, hugged you when you stunk, like whatever it could have been, it's something that showed love in a way that maybe you haven't experienced before. That is what the kingdom looks like. And that's what Paul's telling these people is you you can go to the law all day and try to not do all these things. But what we're looking at here is the Spirit calls you to love other people. And you can wrap all that law up in this loving other people. And that is what God's kingdom looks like. That's right. It's almost like it's about what the heart is. Yeah. It's almost like God may, you know, Jesus may have mentioned that a few times, that it's really about your heart and your heart's intent. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of what, um, you know, Andy was talking about earlier, you know, when it comes to food or something like that, you know, we may have some food and we see someone who's hungry and we can sacrifice. So, you know, what? I, I, I could skip a meal. I know I could skip a meal. Look at me. But we say, you know, you know, Hey, here, take this, you know, and, and it's that, that part of, of loving others and putting others first, putting, putting others needs before your needs. And, and, and when we do that, I mean, really the, the, that that mindset, it has so many implications. It, it is uh, because it will show people who God is because yeah. that's the kind of stuff God did for us. Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, you, you when you think about it, <clears throat> we we don't we shouldn't do good deeds to be seen or recognized doing good deeds. We, that's that should never be the. I, I don't do it and say, I, "Oh, I hope somebody pats me on the back, or I hope somebody recognizes me because I did this or I did that." That's not why we do it, okay? But here, here's the truth: when we love people the way God loves us, we are going to stand out. It, it, we're we're going to stick out like a sore thumb, okay? the The world is going to see that, and that's not normal, right? That, that's not normal. And here's the thing: we shouldn't be normal. We should be abnormal. We've been called out of this world, right? And so, you know, when, we are, when we're doing these things, like what we've been talking about tonight, when, when we do good for other people, when we go out of our way to meet the needs of other people, uh, it's going to be questioned. Uh, it, it's going to be questioned by the world in which we live. Um, when we give to someone, right? When we give to someone without expecting anything in return, it's going to be different. It's going to be questioned by the world in which we live in. You know, you think about the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. When we go above and beyond what anyone else would expect us to do, someone's going to say, why did you do that? I've never seen that done before. 
And what does that open up for us? It opens up for us the opportunity to say, I'm a child of God. God loves me this way. And so the way I can return that love to God is by loving my neighbor. Right? We just point to God. We give God glory. Um, so people are going to ask us why we're different. Uh, why are we different? We're different because we were called. We were called to be different. We were called from that sinful nature, right? That sarks to righteousness. We were called out of it. And, uh, and I love that because Andy just, just read to you that passage out of Galatians and we looked at what the acts of the flesh are, right? So now let's look at the opposite. We talked about the opposite of the flesh is the Spirit, okay? So look at it with me, Galatians chapter 5, probably one of the, another one of those beautiful passages that we all love to read. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You think that's a coincidence that it starts with that word? I do not. I think love is the foundation for every other fruit. So it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here's that word, Andy, self-control. Against such things, what's that next statement say? There is no law. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Um, How many of you love that passage? I don't know about you, but I do. I I love that passage. Uh, I read that passage and, and many times I pray, God, help me. Help me to look like this. Help me to not just look like this. God, help me to live like this. Help me to be this kind of husband. Help me to be this kind of daddy. Help me to be this kind of pastor. But just help me be this kind of person in the world uh, in which I live. And and these verses, when you read these words, when you read these verses, uh, they come alive and they become vibrant when they, when we see them in the correct context, Right? When we look at it in context, again, I, I, love, I love what's called um, expository preaching. I, I just love that. Expository preaching and teaching. It's when you look at a book of the Bible from chapter 1, verse 1, and you go all the way through, and you're not looking at anything else, right? You're looking at the context of this passage, this group of people that it was written to, and, and I love that because that's really what Paul was doing here. Um, and he talks about the flesh, right? And Andy's already kind of expounded on that, that that desire to put who first? Me. It's all about me. Recognize me. See me. Hey, fulfill me, right? Fulfill my needs. Um, It's about, you know, what can be done for me. It's all about me, what I can get. And I don't care about nobody else. How easy is that to fall into? Pretty easy, isn't it? How easy is it, right? When we see something good happen to someone else, how easy is it to say, well, why, 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 why him? Why her? Why, why wasn't that me? I mean, look at what I all I our, do. I think that's our default setting. I think seems, it is. Seems like I, it now. I'm just telling you, it is. Why, why, why can't <laughs> I have that? Like. Why, I, I work harder than he does. I, I do more than she does. Why can't I? Oh, man, that selfish nature. It, it's, a, it's a beast. 
No, no pun intended. It is a beast. It is a sarks. All right? But the Spirit, when, when, you, when you talk about the Spirit, it's the complete opposite. It, it, it's like, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about you, Wayne. I'm worried about you, Misty. I want to help you. I want to meet your needs. It, it's putting others first. And, and I love this because when it talks about the Spirit, it talks about love, right? It talks about patience, understanding, right? The ability to see people as God's creation. Think about that for just a minute. To see people, no matter where they're from, no matter how they talk, no matter how they're dressed, no matter the color of their skin, is to see people and say, that's a child of God. That was someone created in God's image. And just as God has given me purpose, He gave him purpose and her purpose. Only the Spirit... Only the Spirit in us can cause us to see people the way God sees them. We can't manifest that in and of ourselves. That is a Spirit-filled person, to see people the way God created them. And I love how Paul puts it, right? Um, He shows us what the fruit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is, and then he gives us all these these traits, the the list of traits. And and I'm going to tell you, if you want to ask yourself, how can I know? How can I know that I am walking faithfully in my relationship with God? Stand in front of the mirror and see if you can see kindness. See if you can see forbearance. See if you can see love for others. If you can't see those things, then you need to take a step back and say, okay, am I really walking with Christ? Am I, what did Paul say? Not just live with the Spirit, but what? Keep in step with the Spirit, right? Keep in step with the Spirit. How many times do we let the Spirit just go on and we, we turn and go this way and turn and go that way? We just let the Spirit go on and then when the Spirit goes on, who are we stuck with? Me and what I'm capable of, right? And I'm going to tell you, I'm capable of some animal, ugly animal instinct stuff. I just am. I'm capable of that. And so as Christ followers, right, as Christ followers, what, what must we do? What does he say to do? He says, put to death, put to death, uh, even crucify. That's what Paul says. Mm-hmm. Crucify the flesh, our selfish and prideful desires. When we are children of God in complete surrender, what is our calling? Our calling is to love God and to love others, right? Love our neighbors as ourselves to show the world, right, what love truly looks like. And again, People ask me all the time, what's the greatest definition of love? I believe it's Romans 5, 8. If you're asking me, what's the greatest definition? How can you explain love from a biblical standpoint? Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Sarks. Animal instinct. Me and nobody. While we were still sarks. Christ died for us. Think about that. That ought to blow your that blows my mind. And that's who that's who we are called to be. And I'm gonna tell you, the spirit in us gives us the ability to live that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I I like what you know when he says he gives this list, the fruit of the spirit, and he says against their, you know, against there's no such law right, that's, that's against these things. And what's he, he talking about? He, he's, not, he's not talking about our law. Nope. He's not talking about the American law. He, what talk- law is he talking about? Torah. Torah. Yep. So there's, he's telling the Jews, he said, listen, guys, 
they're going to follow this guideline. And you tell me if there's a law against this, huh. loving others. Yeah. Tell me if there is something against following the Spirit. When Jesus, when Jesus healed the man on, on the Sabbath. What did they? What did they try to Y'all, fight? They tried with? to put put law into. Oh, it. that's against the law, right? And they 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 tried to attack Jesus with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's that's what what Paul is getting at. Yeah, he said that this is what we're to be about. But let's let's bring the sin question back around, okay? And we'll kind of wrap up with this because what you know, question what I think about is okay. Then what is sin? Like how? If if I'm walking out, you know, my faith and I'm I'm growing in Christ, if the law isn't the measuring stick, how do I determine what sin is? And I know we've kinda we've kind of talked about this already. Um, but I'm gonna add add to what well I'm not gonna add. Jesus adds That's to right. what Paul yeah. says. And you're we know re- this. Just gonna I'm just, I'm just gonna repeat said. what Jesus said. <laughs> That's right. Which what are the two greatest commandments? Yep. What are they? Love God. Love God. Love and love others. Love, love your neighbors as yourself. Yeah. The two, and, and, and Jesus, the whole law. yeah, and Paul, even up here, he says the whole, apparently the whole law is summed up in those, those two, two commands. Yep. So our measuring stick, if you want to go by that, right, can be if it negatively affects your relationship with God yeah. or it negatively affects your relationship with man, then it's sin. Hmm. That's a that's a pretty good pretty good go by. And again, he said all the law is is summed up in these two commands. So so let's see if it stacks up. Let's hmm. look at the Ten Commandments. <laughs> let's look at the Ten Commandments. Yeah. All right. Now, again, what's what's our two? Love God. All right, and love love neighbors. So, I want you to decide if. When I list these laws, if it's for God or if it's for neighbors, all right? So, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. God. Okay. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Uh, Yeah, the first four right there is God. Honor your mother and father. Neighbors, yeah. You shall not murder. Others. You shall not commit adultery. Others. You shall not steal. Others. You shall not bear false witness to your neighbor. It even Others. says neighbor yeah. in that yeah. one. Yeah. 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 There's your gossip, y'all. <laughs> you shall not covet. Others. Others. Yeah. Is that the first four? You got the first four right there is for God and the last six are for neighbors. I wonder why there were only four for God and six. I know, it's interesting. People, loving mm. people. Maybe maybe it's like we deal more with people on a regular basis. <laughs> I, I don't know. Struggle, <laughs> I wonder if we struggle more to love people than we do to love God. That's a very interesting point, Andy. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Everything flows. Sure. I've always said, right? I've always said when people talk about the Ten Commandments, you go, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Oh, I'm pretty good. Oh, I'm pretty good at that." Well, just start at number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Like I don't even need to know what the other nine are. Mm-hmm. Like I just blew it. You want to know why? Because a lot of times I make my spouse my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times right, I make right. my kids my god. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I make my job my god. Like, like I could just go and- on. 
Oh, and my hobby becomes my God. This is the this is bank, bank honestly account. this part's easy. But what did Jesus say? <laughs> oh, you've heard it say, "Do not murder." Right. But I'm telling you, even if you had hate for someone, and you've murdered them in your heart. Oof. Yeah. It, it's it's there's so much depth here. Our measuring stick is love. Yeah. Listen, love, love, love is how we keep ourselves from sin. Yep. You want to know how to avoid sin? Love God and love others. Hmm. Love is how we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Yep. It's how we move with the Spirit. Yep. It's how we let the Spirit flow through us. Yeah. And and it's it's something that just can't be stated enough. Yeah. When Jesus himself says, oh, you want to know, what are the two greatest commandments? <laughs> These two things. Yeah. All the law, all the prophets, everything is summed up in that. Mm. And this was really important for me. Doing this study is important for me just because I, I wanted the depth. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm heard sin nature. I've heard flesh. And I was like, what does that really mean? What is, you know, because I've heard the law is is this and the thing is, as Paul says, no, 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 the law had its purpose. It, it, God gave the law. It's a good thing. I don't want you to think it's not a good thing. It's a great thing, but it had a purpose and, and for a certain people. But for us who have been brought into the family of God, who have been brought in as sons and daughters of God, we have freedom in Christ to yep. display his love yep. to everyone. To let everybody know that they are invited into the kingdom. This isn't just a select group. This isn't the factions like it mentioned there in 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 the earlier what Andy was you know talking what he was speaking to these factions and these selfish desires. It's none of that. It's all about others. It's all about other people. And this is this is this is this is that full life. Paul Paul is talking about that full life that Jesus promised, right? Uh, that that full life. He said, I have come so that you may have life and have it what? Abundantly, Mm -hmm. fully. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. Listen to this. He says, victory comes through surrender to Christ, not your self-effort. Don't you love that? Victory comes through your surrender to Christ, not in your self-effort. Guess what trying to keep the law is? It's self-effort. That, that, and, and I love that. Dr. David Jeremiah says that's not, victory doesn't come from your self-effort. Victory comes in surrender to Christ. He goes on to say, because our flesh has already been crucified and we have already received the Spirit of God, we should be urged to live by our practice what we already have in principle. Mm-hmm. To live by our practice what we already have. In other words... Uh, And you've heard me preach this in the book of Mark. Jesus is enough. You have everything you need. You remember me preaching this on Sunday morning? You have, and I think Brother Wes Pierce nailed it too. You have everything you need in Christ to live a godly life. Do you know that? You have everything you need in Christ to live a godly life. Because he's He's already already done it. Absolutely. And this is, this is, I, I find so much hope in this yes because i don't have to follow a set of rules <laughs> oh man that i can't keep that yep yep I, <laughs> that's right 
John, yeah, John yeah, said yeah. following it's, those rules would be like trying to get through an obstacle course. Yeah. And that, absolutely, John. I mean, like I said, it, it, in one area I get why people would want to do that. They want to have the checklist. Yeah. I, I, I do get that. But on the other hand, Jesus has done the work. He has set us free, and we need to live in that. Mm-hmm. We we beat ourselves up when we sin, and we should try not to sin. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But we will just destroy ourselves. And it's like God sitting back like, listen, God, look, I love you. I I sent my son to die for you. He paid the price, and I just want you to live for me. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's what I want you to do. Yeah, you're going to mess up along the way, but but don't worry about that. Because as long as you have faith in me, I've got you. And I find so much hope in that. It brings me so much comfort because all I have to do is love. Yeah. That that is what that is what I need to do. And and God's taking care of the rest. I do have something small to add. And sure. Just as we were as we were looking at this last point, that love is how we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I had a conversation about three weeks ago. I was sitting at a football game. I don't even know who won the game because I, I got <laughs> caught in a God conversation and everything around me disappeared. But I was I was talking with a friend and the friend was saying that they had struggled for years with knowing every day whether they were in step with the Spirit. And they went through all of this process of... Am I, am I doing all the right things? Am I doing what the Spirit's called me to do? And how do I know if I'm doing it right? And this friend made the statement, and, and it kind of, when I read that last point, it kind of sunk in that, that this is so true. And, and I think this is so great. So, so pay attention to this. This friend said, Every day, if I measure my love for God and I measure my love for people, and it is not deeper than it was yesterday, then I'm out of step with the Spirit. Ooh. And so when I, when I read that, love is how we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, it, it brought that to my mind, that if my love for people and for God is not deeper today than just yesterday, then I'm already out of step, that love is what we're called to do. And I find that so much easier to understand than finding that checklist. Because yeah. if I have to go by that checklist, I'm exhausted by the end of the day just figuring out what was on the checklist, let alone did I do it right. Mm-hmm. But knowing that love is that measuring stick, yeah. that love is where it all settles in whether you're in step with the Spirit or not. It mm-hmm. just makes that freedom so much sweeter because yeah. that's one thing we can do. Yeah. I love to love. I don't like to not love. It makes me not feel good. But loving just seems like something that could be so easy to do. And yet we choose to live in our sarks so often. Mm -mm. 